Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In 2008, Bill Ford, riddled with anxiety, sat in his office in Dearborn, Michigan, across from his mentor, Irvine Hockaday Jr. Bill was the CEO of his family's century-old automotive company and was out of ideas as to how to save it. A lot of people in his position, powerful and rich beyond imagination, would struggle to admit they were out of their element. But Bill cared too much about Ford to worry about his ego. After a long meeting of running ideas past his friend, Hockaday Jr., the revered CEO of Hallmark Cards, Bill finally reached a conclusion. The Ford Motor Company's history is intricately woven with that of the history of modern America and its capitalist economic system. It was innovative in its creation of both the assembly line as well as its support for the workers who manned it, but it wasn't without its problems. It had a long history of overcoming adversity, whether by smart decision-making or sheer luck. Heading into the second millennium, it was facing the repercussions of decades filled with bad CEOs, bad investments, and bad treatment of its workers. If Ford was going to survive, it would need both the luck and smart decision-making that saved it before. Today on Past Gas, how did Ford survive not one, but two massive financial calamities within the span of five years? After years of relying on one charismatic person to fix Ford, could Ford actually be fixed by the leadership of one charismatic person? Would Ford's investment in fuel-efficient vehicles ultimately be the reason for its recovery? And is a guy you may have never heard of, Alan Mullally, the goat of resurrecting dying companies. It's past gas. Past gas podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. Goated in the sauce. Goated in the sauce. Lost in the. Goated in the sauce is way better than being lost in it. Quirked up corporate shark. Goated with the the sauce. <laughs> um james would you say you're the irvine hockaday jr of nolan nolan's bill ford uh as in like mentor mentee sitch yeah yeah but that's what i, I thought i've been thinking about it recently and i would like for nolan and i's really nolan sent me a really uh thoughtful text the other day and oh, nice. and i think it's it's time for i'll continue uh to provide wisdom whenever he needs it but I think Nolan and I are, are friends now. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're oh, I'd like to transition to, to peers. 
we're figuring out life together rather than me telling him about life. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a student if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Always a student of the game, man. Dude, and to be a student, you have to think about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if you are thinking about it, then aren't you a student? Dude, hock a day dropping <laughs> gems over here. Dude, hock a day. I hock once a day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, welcome but welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. I forgot to do an intro last week, so if you're uh, coming Nobody in, knew who we were. Nobody dude, knew who so we were. I'm sorry. You're like, who are these strangers <laughs> who are these chatting at me? Voices talking in my ears. Well, my name is Nolan Sykes. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my fellow donut podcasters. We got James Pumphrey. Hawk a day. Don't lock away. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that second laugh you heard is Joe Weber. Slime off a of slug's back. <laughs> Yeah, this it's week. gonna catch on. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope it does. I hope it does. Can't wait for that slime off a of slugs back T-shirt. Yeah, this week we're talking about Ford and their uh, financial struggles through the 2008 economic crisis, as well as uh, you know some some further reading on their uh, their past. I drive a Ford, and for a long time, I think I was kind of like hesitant to call myself a Ford guy or a Mustang guy. But Did you, know you cover what? up all the badges? No, no. <laughs> I I don't know. I have mixed thoughts on debadging cars. Uh, let's just jump right into our story this week. <laughs> After I get my sips of, of drink here. <laughs> no one has two, two beverages. I've got two cups. Okay. And, I, he, I, and he keeps taking a sip of both of them back to back. <laughs> I, so I can only assume that the mug, which is the first one constantly, is full of like Jägermeister. Oh, yeah. And then the second one is water to like chase it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Uh, just having a, a scratchy voice this week. Today, this week, uh, I woke up thinking, okay, I'm gonna make some tea this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, walk us through that. Open my drawer, no tea. So I just have hot water with lemon juice. Oh in yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> which is working. Um, That's good. But, yeah. Anyway, I call that free tea because you can get it at a restaurant for free. Huh? <laughs> hey, let me get some of that free tea. Yeah. But you have to disguise it. You say like, oh, can I just get a cup of hot water? It's water, so it's free. And then later you ask for a slice of lemon. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to try that later. All right. On January 1st, 1999, for the first time in decades, a member of the Ford family was in sole control of the company as CEO. Bill Ford was itching to take control after former CEO Jacques Nasser had spent a few years destroying the company's morale and creating a business network that was as tangled as the cords behind a television. Nice. Nice. <laughs> you need cord management. That's part of being an adult. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Get some zip ties or some of those little bands with Velcro. Those little clips, yeah. yeah. I got a whole roll of those things if you guys need them. Just hit me up. Well, the truth is, guys, is that Jack Nasser wasn't really the problem at Ford. It was just his turn to step up to the plate and take a swing. The structure and all of its moving parts, which had been formulated over decades, was the real issue. Even the best carpenters can't build a house on a rotten foundation. You guys know that, right? You're big, you're big contractors. I mean, yeah, Joe and I do run one of the largest contracting companies in Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah, that's why we know so much about OSHA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For much of its history, Ford had repeatedly been victim of the whims of its powerful CEOs. Going all the way back to its original founder, Henry Ford, the company habitually got lost in the throes of a cult of personality. The larger-than-life CEOs often centered the company around themselves, believing that they were the chosen one, chosen to carry Ford to the top. Bill Ford knew it was his job to change that culture. Despite his privileged position as a member of one of America's wealthiest and most powerful families, he understood that his company was driven by its strong relationship with its workers combined with quality and affordable vehicles. He needed to get the company back to that. He just didn't know how. Bill Ford, I've seen him in interviews a couple times, seems the most like Homer Simpson out of anyone, any real human that I've ever seen. Matt has met him. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Bill had some helpful ideas for sure. 
Using the interfacing slogan, Back to Basics, Bill Ford divested in most of Nasser's ego-boosting pet projects and allocated money back towards engineering and manufacturing. He encouraged engineers to look for, quote, singles and doubles rather than the home runs Nasser demanded. Small ball. Yep. It's a whole basis of money ball, baby. That's what you got to do with uh, get your fungo bat, hit some some dingers to short, play pepper, you know. Uh, <laughs> you can't go top rope all the time, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I said that the other day and Nolan was like, what are you saying? No, no, that was Andy saying that. <laughs> It was one of the funniest things I've heard Andy say. Just the way he said it was amazing. Anyway, Bill Ford invested heavily in hybrid technology, a bold bet for the time. For a guy who got the job largely on the basis of his last name, he actually made some very smart decisions. But those smart decisions weren't enough. Bill's efforts were like trying to plug a hole in the Titanic with your thumb. And uh, since the Titanic split in half... (laughs) Yeah, you should have gone like this. You should have gone... <laughs> Maybe for you guys, but I got a big ass thumb. Yeah, so you just go. Yeah, I love doing physical comedy on a podcast, <laughs> audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all in the sound effects. In 2003, Ford's stock had reached its all-time low, and by 2005, the company's credit rating was reduced to junk bond status. Its factories were only at 79% capacity, and they were still adding more factories. They were losing. Ford was losing $590 for every car they built, and bankruptcy was on the table. We often focus on the 2008 crash, but Ford was already tanking well before then. We should probably make like a Thunderbird drift car, like a 2005 Thunderbird drift car. Was there a 2005 Thunderbird? Or whatever, like the retro future one is. Mm -hmm. 2003? Oh, 2000. I was thinking 90. I mixed up the decades. Oh, the one that looked like a Taurus? Right, yeah, yeah. Long boy Taurus, yeah. Anyway, when Bill Ford received an email from his cousin, Ann Ford, that read, quote, The stock price is terrible! Maybe we ought to bring someone in to help you. He knew he had lost the trust of his family. He sat down with his mentor, Irvine Hockaday Jr., for advice. Hockaday Jr. brought something really important to the meeting. No, it wasn't a card that read, Sorry about the collapse, your family's billion-dollar enterprise. It was a senior perspective. By the end of the meeting, he helped convince Bill Ford to do what was right for the company, stepping down as CEO. But he just started. Dude, when you get an email from your cousin asking if you need help. <laughs> My cousin is a, um, an aerial dancer. Whoa. Like the silks? Yeah. Takes incredible core strength. Yeah, so she sent me an email that was like, hey, man, are you okay? I'd be like, damn. <laughs> wow, she's so busy rope dancing. How did she find time to write me this letter? Yeah, it's not ropes. It's silks, Joe. Is this a silk rope? Uh, no, it's like a, it's like a sheet Curtain. of silk. Yeah. yeah. There, I th- Is that so you don't burn yourself? No, it's because it's beautiful. But, I mean, you can <laughs> twist it. You can twist them around your hands and your mm-hmm, feet yeah. and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Dozens of feet in the air. Yeah. Bill turned his attention to a humbling act, finding his replacement. He knew it couldn't be just anybody. Even though Ford had a reputation as a company that was good at landing on its feet after a crisis, this time was different. Ford was a cat in its ninth life, and this next hire would be the most important one it had ever made. So the person had to be special. But they couldn't know that they were special. Historically speaking, self-aggrandizing leaders made Ford weak in the knees. The question was, did an experienced executive with no ego and a gift for managing catastrophes even exist? That's when the name Alan Mulally came up, a former writer of SNL, having a baby with Olivia Munn. (laughs) No, no, you're thinking of- You uh, saw him at the forum. No, no, this is a guy who wrote Stefan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he co-wrote Stefan with Bill Hader, Alan Mulally. This guy is so multifaceted. Alan Mulally grew up a middle-class kid from Lawrence, Kansas. He didn't like pretension or power suits or large entourages, also pronounced entourages. (laughs) He was a family man who stuck to himself but talked to everyone. He smiled a lot, and his long-running nickname was Mr. Nice Guy, which is kind of problematic now. 
That's a good Jackie Chan movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, that reminds me, Nolan J. Sykes will challenge any YouTuber <laughs> Uh, that's around 200 pounds at the next creator clash. Any YouTuber around 200 pounds, uh, but you, you got to have the subs. You got to have the subs to get the thugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take me, take me to church. <laughs> Most importantly, he had become famous in the business community for saving Boeing from bankruptcy after 9-11. On paper, this was literally the miracle worker Ford was looking for. He was still working in Seattle for Boeing, and Bill Ford thought there was no way that he'd be interested in the position. He called him anyway, and the luck of his timing couldn't have been better. Mullally wasn't necessarily unhappy at Boeing, but he was frustrated. After rescuing the company from annihilation, he wasn't made CEO and a promotion wasn't on the horizon. He had always loved the Ford Motor Company. He grew up with Fords. He admired their products and their deep connection to American history. So when Bill Ford called, Mullally was intrigued enough to meet with him. I love Alan Mullally's joke about the birthday sign. When he, you write the birthday sign out and the H and the A is really big. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to the Y, it's like a little squiggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite jokes that he does. Ford flew Mullally out to Dearborn, Michigan. And from the moment they met, they liked each other. They 69'd right off the bat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which was tradition in the Ford Yeah, it's company. a Ford family tradition. You 69 with guys you like. Their communication was clear and honest. Bill was upfront with Alan about all of Ford's troubles, navigating the Ford's family politics and the difficult road ahead. Mullally loved transparency. He kept marveling at all of the windows. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like walk up to him and like knock and be like, wow. Solid. This one goes outside too? <laughs> yeah, and Ford was like, you run an airplane company? <laughs> Why are these square? <laughs> uh, it was a cornerstone. Transparency was a cornerstone of his managing style and his strategy to save Boeing. He too was honest with Bill. He was familiar with Ford's antiquated structure. It was a giant mess. And if he took this position, he would need Bill and the Ford family to support him in a full reshaping of the entire company. It would be incredibly challenging, and he couldn't pull it off without their support. And they both agreed to sleep on it in the same bed. And you know what? Like yeah, Abraham you know Lincoln. what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did a three-way 69. With who? Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did a, tr a classic triangle. Elon Musk is the Thomas Edison of our time. Like he steals technology from people yes. and he's all into electricity. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely Bill Ford, Mullally, and Elon Musk did a triangle 69. Actually, that that goes way deeper because Thomas Edison stole some shit from Tesla, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Elon's stealing the Tesla name. It all checks out. Dude, I will testify that Elon Musk, Bill Ford, and Mullally all 69. If you got, if you had to go to court. Yeah, I will 100% go to court. <laughs> uh, after their initial meeting, Mullally went back to his hotel and spent hours writing down all the information that he had retained. He compared the many similarities of Ford's situation to Boeing's. He wrote that if he were CEO, he would focus on performance, product, process, and people. He would drop Mercury in Lincoln. He'd move manufacturing to Mexico to avoid conflicts with the United Auto Workers Union that were brewing on the horizon. Uh, after hours of filling up the pages with strategies, the final words on the page read, Wow, what fun. Oh, God. <laughs> I just turned a corner on this guy. This guy yeah. sucks, dude. <laughs> Uh, did we mention that uh, Alan Mulally was kind of a nerd and apparently kind of a shitty person? The flurry of ideas was a good sign. Alan wanted the job. Mulally sat down with Bill Ford the next morning and showed him his ideas, telling him, you've been going out of business for 30 years. This is how we get back in it. Ford was impressed at the blend of straight talk and optimism. The men shook hands. It seemed like a deal. 
Three days later, Bill Ford's face was as white as a freshly lacquered Mustang. <laughs> nice. Nice. How white Mustang that Europeans came to rent to drive around Venice Beach. <laughs> Convertible from Hertz. Five dudes yeah. in tank tops and backwards hats. <laughs> yeah, driving. Yeah, we love this. Driving down no, no, Hollywood Boulevard wondering why it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's always like, like four super tall dudes and like one chick yeah. in the back middle seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, this... It's just hot and dirty, and it smells like pee here. <laughs> yeah, if I put the top up quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He sat in his office on the phone listening to Mullally tell him he was staying at Boeing. They got wind of Ford's offer and convinced Mullally to stay by upping the ante. Bill Ford knew deep in his Detroit-style pizza-filled gut that Mullally was the only <laughs> one who could save Ford. Sure, <laughs> He had felt that way about other CEOs. Yes, his family were suckers for self-serving leaders, but that's not why Ford liked Mullally. He was unlike any person who had sought the job of CEO at Ford. Bill called executive Joe Lehman and told him, go to Seattle and stay there until you get Mullally. If you can't get him to sign, don't bother coming back because I will shoot you in your skull. (laughs) I don't think he's like an old prospector. Like he, I think he's in his 40s or 50s. I don't know, man. I just played the clip. <laughs> oh, that was audio? Gavin provided okay. me with a clip and I played it. Okay, I take that back. That's a recording. We got permission. We cleared that. Reuters, check it out. Reuters? Reuters? <laughs> no, Reuters. R-O-O-T-E-R-S. We can't afford Reuters. <laughs> Lehman spent a couple of weeks in Seattle trying to meet with Mullally, who was clearly dodging him. When he finally sat down with him, Mullally let him know Boeing was giving him $10 million a year to stay, which is half of what I make. <laughs> per episode. Yeah. Plus, he didn't want to uproot his family since they just bought their dream home. Uh, he thanked Lehman for coming out and emphasized there just wasn't enough to get him to come to Michigan. Look, man, there's no houses in Detroit that have backsplash like this, dude. Dude, seriously, like, honestly, in Detroit, you could just buy Detroit for $10 million. (laughs) Layman pulled out an envelope and, like, a scene straight out of a Scorsese movie or a Ray Ray Liotta (laughs) movie, R.I.P. Yeah. He slid it across the table. When Mullally opened the envelope, he probably had to physically restrain his jaw from smacking off the table. Ford was offering $28 million a year. Jeez. A private jet to fly to Michigan every week and a guaranteed $28 million exit parachute if the Ford company collapsed. Mullally shook Layman's hand, and this time, it stuck. With a check like that, I'd be looking like the mask, Jim Carrey in the mask. Yeah. You can't rhyme the mask with the mask. I wasn't trying. I was clarifying that Jim Carrey was the one in the mask. (laughs) Uh, And you weren't, were you rapping or no? Because it sounded like you were rapping. Did it? Uh, That's just the natural flow of my voice, Joe. I just got that flow, man. I miss those uh, those rap dictionary sessions we had. Oh, that was, oh, really that, was that was like uh, one of my favorite bits any of my friends have ever done. <laughs> that was very fun. Nolan used to uh, open up rhyming dictionary and we put on a boom bap beat. Yeah, and then he, he would just read the rhyming words. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very funny. We should do that in a future episode. Keep yes. checking in yeah. to see if we uh, deliver on that promise. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mulally's first day at Ford headquarters was pure chaos. He was pulled from one meeting to another. Questions seeping with skepticism flew around the room. People either didn't trust that he was as nice as his reputation, or they thought the last thing Ford needed was a nice guy. He had to meet with the entire Ford family and show them the plan that was going to save their company. That was all before lunch. Then came the financial news. Ford was set to lose $12 billion in 2006, the most in their up-and-down history. The goal to make a profit by 2008 seemed like a pipe dream. The listening sessions were over before they began. Mulally had to take immediate action. First, Mulally would announce to his workers that he'd need to lay off 30,000 of them, a devastating decision that Mulally saw as a brutal necessity. Next was cutting back on the company's selection of cars. Quote, We have a lot of brands. We have a lot of nameplates. We're known in the U.S. as a big truck and SUV company and for the Mustang. We have very complex product offerings. I think there is a tremendous opportunity to simplify, consolidate, and focus forward. (laughs) Pun absolutely intended. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing Malali did to change the structure was eliminate all weekly meetings. Having so many divisions of the company meant there were a lot of misrepresented facts. The truth was often spun and exaggeration was rampant. Instead, they'd have one meeting and all roads of communications would lead back to him. Malali was Rome. Then he decreed a series of rules they would have to follow at these meetings. Rule number one, people come first. That meant no jokes at somebody else's expense. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Kind of a weird rule number one. It sounds like someone joked about him once <laughs> yeah. and he took offense uh, yeah. to it. No making jokes about anybody. No matter how many people laugh, it's inappropriate. Turns out that these jokes <laughs> had become a very common and uh, in Ford culture, and they were often <laughs> cutthroat and mean spirit. I love it. That, like, it, like, it's such a toxic culture that, like, first thing this guy does is, like, all right, guys, quit making fun yeah. of each other. <laughs> Number <Yeah>. one, <laughs> if we're going to figure this whole thing out, just like quit talking shit. That's what happens when your company is losing money for 30 years. Yeah, that makes sense. Things get a little cynical. Further rules included no I or me, only we and the team. That's a culty thing. Yeah. Finally, there would be accountability. Nobody could pass the buck any longer. Malali was breaking the chains of culture that had bound the company for decades. You know, this kind of reminds me uh, of Carlos Ghosn coming into Nissan. Mm, it reminds me of um, when Jared Leto took over my cult. <laughs> <laughs> he really turned us around. to that island. <laughs> Honestly, I was not qualified to run the cult yeah and once jared came in he was like why so serious and then (laughs) everything kind of turned around immediately the chains that malali was breaking were extensive ford was making 97 different types of cars around the world at the time ford mercury lincoln aston martin jaguar land rover volvo and mazda malali believed many needed to be sold He developed a strategy called One Ford, which would make Ford and Lincoln the center of their manufacturing and sales. He started cutting executive positions like a surgeon carefully removing dying tissue. If their last name wasn't Ford, then their job was not safe. After the bloodletting of executives and the promotions of some younger, more deserving underlings, Mulally headed to Wall Street. He had to get Ford back to liquidity and used his people skills and ambitious plan to secure the company an astounding, $23.6 $23.6 billion loan. Dude, I got I got pretty good people skills. I don't think I could get more than like 
a hundred dollars <laughs> from my friends. Dude, I'll give you I'll give you a thousand bucks. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, I'm doing this first round of uh, funding, so let me know. I look forward to hearing your proposal. Alan Mulally had reset the culture, simplified the structure of management and communication, and secured a pile of cash. Now, he just needed to figure out how to sell more cars. Mulally did something nobody at Ford had seen before. He went to local dealerships to sell cars to customers. He wanted to get a sense of the types of people that walk onto a Ford lot and how to appeal to them. I bet he did it for like an hour. Yeah. he And it was in Detroit. He didn't yeah. drive anywhere. He was like, oh, God, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get pizza. <laughs> Let's go get some conies. That's the de- that's a Detroit thing. Cone, they got really? Big, big chili dog town, man. Big chili dog town. And they they're the Detroit-style Detroit chili dog has pasta on top? Mm-mm. It has garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make it very clear to the people of Detroit. It's one of my favorite cities in America. I love you guys. Um, And I'd love to buy an entire block for a dollar someday. (laughs) The salespeople couldn't believe how easy it was for him to sell a car. He used what he learned and instilled a new sales approach for dealerships that was more customer friendly. Yeah, he wasn't telling people, hey, Buy a fucking car. <laughs> buy this fucking car. Hey, you boo, get over here and buy a car. That's a, not a Detroit accent. <laughs> so much of selling anything is marketing. He poached Jim Farley, the cousin of comedian Chris Farley from Lexus. All right, all right. Now I'm invested. Jim had turned Lexus around the same way his cousin had turned SNL around. In the 90s. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Elevating tired old brands uh, ran in the family. Doesn't Jim Farley have a podcast now? Probably. He's had like Tim, Tom Brady and Amelia Hartford was on there. Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think she's like co-hosting. Or was she a guest? I think she's a guest. Okay. He's like, you should live in a van down by the river. <laughs> as long as it's a Ford. As long as it's a Ford. Econoline. Next on the list was morale. He invited 4,000 dealership employees and workers to an event at Ford Field in Detroit, the home of the Lions. He let the workers know he was going to reject the traditional adversarial relationships between the company and unions. But he also moved everything to Mexico. They both stood to lose a lot if the company failed. Instead, he'd always be willing to listen and find some sort of compromise. He cut a new contract with the UAW, including providing health care for the recent retirees and layoffs. Okay, that's kind of cool. Okay, okay. The workers felt cautiously optimistic for the first time in a decade. <laughs> what? The way you said that was humorous. Huh? Dude, you're... <laughs> Your summer abroad has really been seeping into your. <laughs> oh, language. sorry. In Stockholm, uh, they pronounce it the cod. <laughs> oh, my parents just got back from Italy. Uh huh. They were on vacation, and my mom sent me a text last night. Uh huh. And she just sent me like an article, and it's. She said, "I found this interesting and a good reminder of what matters in life." I'm like, one day back from Europe, and already yeah. sending me like introspective. Mental health kind of stuff. Was it an article <laughs> about um, cheese? <laughs> no, it's like neurological stuff. But oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was very. It was a cliche. I thought. Oh, you're gonna make fun of your mom for going to another place and being enlightened a little bit? Wow. No, wow. I just thought it was funny that she sent me an article. No, I think it's good. I think it's cute, yeah. and I think you well, should you guys, encourage you guys can, that. Well, since you've been spending so much time with my parents lately, maybe you can tell them that for me. Okay, I will. Oh, I'll tell dude. Scott. Joe, okay. let's... Uh, dude, you just got bodied. <laughs> maybe, Joe, let's add it to the text chain with Scott. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, I really want to know where he gets his flannels. Well, we're getting... He we looks have so a, good in them. We have a Zoom with Scott <laughs> later, our Friday Zoom. Yeah. So the... We're making hot toddies. What? Yeah. Sorry. Dang, dude. Yeah, he sent Hot us. Tides. He sent us both tea. Yeah, 
Hey, oh, he didn't send you any tea? Oh, wait, I forgot you're out of tea. Yeah. Oh, weird. So yeah, weird he just ran out of tea. And there's no tea. He yeah. brought us some Italian tea. Yeah. That's crazy, man. He sent it to wow. us from Italy. Wow. Enjoy, man. Wow. It's, oh. It's Ferrari. He said brand. it's good for mental health. <laughs> yeah, it's good for mental health and your voice. Damn yeah. it. He was like, I love, I love listening. Dear James and Joe, I love listening to po- the podcast. You guys sound like angels. I want to maintain your beautiful, beautiful voices. Here's some Italian tea uh, endorsed by Pavarotti himself. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's Pavarotti. And he said, looking forward to our Friday, Friday hang. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really impressed that he kept that up while he was in Italy. Like that really yeah. means a lot. The time difference must have been very hard to coordinate with. That's yeah, he was like very impressive. It's only six hours. That's like eight. Make time. You make time for Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are getting up at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we just stay up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Joe and I would stay up drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I time my I time my kettle out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it hits. You know, it hits boiling at two, and then I pour my tea. Wow. Log on. Hey, Scott. <laughs> hey, Scott. What's up? And he'd say, Arrivederci, gentlemen. <laughs> I'd say, Scott, I don't think that's what you think it means. <laughs> Hola, boys. <laughs> no, Scott. <laughs> After 10 months as CEO, Malali had done a complete transformation of the Ford company. His fingerprints were all over everything. Oh, God. Gross. The culture, the engineering team, the structure of communication, leadership, accounting, and sales approach had all become unrecognizable in such a short period of time. It was like a computer getting a much-needed update in order to function more efficiently. Even he was surprised, however, when the predictions for 2007 were showing that his plan was already working. The company was still on track to lose a boatload of money, but... It was a much smaller boat than initially anticipated. A schooner. Yeah. Or a sloop. It's a single mast boat. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I just listened to the last pod uh, series on Blackbeard. Oh, nice. He didn't have much time to celebrate when his chief economist, Ellen Hughes Cromwich, great sandwich came to his office with some alarming data. The economy, specifically the housing market and financial industry, were turning into a forest of red flags. By her estimation, the odds of a massive recession in the next two years were 33%. Mullally was troubled, but it didn't seem urgent. By no means would he pull the gun out from his desk and shoot himself in the head yet. After all, I don't know, it's in the script. After all, there's nothing he could personally do about the global economy. Mm, That's not true. (laughs) He does a lot about the global economy, but yeah. I think at this point it was too too late. Oh, he just ran Boeing? Touche. They weren't like, well, yeah, the whole system was kind of hinged around those uh, security... uh, all these uh, fuckers knew. It's not like somebody came to his office and was like, Hey man, the global economy might go sour. And he was like, he had already sold his stock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In 2008, Mulally was witness to the exact train wreck. Hughes crumb, which had predicted credit markets seized up bear Stearns and JP Morgan chase announced they were running out of money. The housing bubble was collapsing and the price of crude oil exceeded a hundred dollars a barrel for the first time in history. Two million Americans had used the equity on their homes to purchase new vehicles. That was one out of every nine cars on the road. That equity had evaporated into thin air. Trucks and SUVs took an exceptionally tough hit. Sales for the Ford F-Series, the crown jewel of Ford, were the first to plummet because of high gas prices. Sales for the rest of their vehicles followed shortly after. After the positive results of 2007, the financial crash of 2008 would mean there was no chance of meeting Malali's goal of Ford becoming profitable in the short term. After working so hard to restructure basically every inch of the Ford business model, Malali and his team were devastated. Now they had to deal with a new larger crisis while still managing the crisis at hand. It was like trying to put out a house fire while all the world's volcanoes fired off in tandem, which would be a pretty cataclysmic global event. Dude, like, I'd, I'd like... 
like just hold a girl's hand, you know, and just mm-hmm. be like, yeah. you met me at a very weird time in my life. And I was just <laughs> like, watch it, dude. And he'd be like, ah, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that the 30 Seconds to Mars song? No, it's the end of Fight Club. That's the Pixies. Oh, yeah. Where is my mind? Yeah. Where is my mind? If there was any silver lining to this whole freaking mess, which nobody was punished for, it's that <laughs> Ford weren't the only ones. Ford was down 15%, but its main competition, General Motors and Chrysler, were down double that. When the dust finally settled, it was clear that the country was in the beginning of what end up being the second worst economic disaster in modern history. Do you know they're already predicting another recession because uh, one of the signs is no one's going to strip clubs anymore? That makes sense. That's that's frivolous money. I'm still going. I still go every day. Hot dog buffet, $5. <laughs> Deja vu. It's the best deal. It's the best deal in town. Yeah. Just a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> what does a hot dog buffet look like? It's, there's it's like a, uh, it's like hot water, like those like yeah, a steam table, a steam table, yeah. And then you have your relish. Mm-hmm. You got your onions. Mm-hmm. You got your squirt, uh, squirty ketchup. I've been making this joke <laughs> for weeks now, and I'm realizing that it's because I have a real craving, and I'm like not allowed to eat hot dogs anymore. But like, like. The idea of like a hot dog and just plain Ruffles potato chips as like a lunch is like the <laughs> most basic thing, but like I really want it. You can have a turkey dog, right? Or is there still too much salt? There's still a lot is of salt, it, but I can Is do it the it. nitrates in the in the meat too? You know, I ate, I ate like almost whole pizza the other day, so <laughs> We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Gas prices continue to climb, reaching $150 a barrel by summer. God. In summer? In winter, yeah. But summer? You're going to ruin the summer? Even with Ford's spending under control, for the first time in decades, it was canceled out by the sinking sales and rising cost of materials. By July 24th, Ford had lost it. That's my birthday. Congrats, bud. By Joe's birthday, Ford had lost an incredible $8.7 billion in only four months. It was on track to lose $14.6 billion for the whole year. Calling a company it is a very European thing because in America we say they. Oh, because it's a person. Mm -hmm. Legally. As the hurricane winds of the Great Recession 2.0 blustered around them, Ford received some very great news. According to J.D. Power, Ford's Mercury brand had outperformed the new Honda vehicles and trailed only behind Toyota. Ford's quality rating was third. Not much longer after that, Consumer Reports declared that Ford had now equaled Toyota and Honda in quality and named the Ford Fusion the best-made American sedan in America. This gave Mullally an idea for a new goal. If he couldn't be profitable, then he would set a goal to dethrone Toyota as the number one reviewed car company in America by 2011. If their quality continued to improve, then so too would the sales. That combined with the controversial $23.6 billion loan Ford had received made the company momentarily stable. If Ford was stable, then GM and Chrysler were in cardiac arrest. 
After politely declining both companies to negotiate a merger, Bilali had another revelation. Instead of slamming on the brakes like GM and Chrysler, what if Ford went in the opposite direction? What if Ford tied a large brick to a gas pedal and floored it? They had liquid from the loan. They had glowing reviews for product quality. Maybe they could sell their way out of this situation. This is the first time I've ever heard of GM and Chrysler asking for a merger. That's kind of crazy. Is that what that means, right? Yeah, that's what I, I, I hadn't heard that either, Nolan. That is wild. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that either. That would have been like very socialist. Like we would have had like American car brand. Yeah, it would have been like the closest to a government uh, car brand. They both approached Ford. Yeah. Still. Okay. That's even almost a bigger deal. Right. Yeah. Mullally knew gas prices were a problem for consumers. Ford could take advantage by being the company to offer relief at the fuel pump. First, he would take several of Ford's largest truck and SUV manufacturing plants and have them only make smaller family cars like the Focus and the Fiesta. He doubled production of hybrid cars and fast-tracked a new engine technology called EcoBoost. Shouts to Chelsea DeNova. Uh, a technology that his engineers had already been tinkering with. These major decisions would immediately make Ford's lineup of vehicles one of the most fuel-efficient in the world. EcoBoost. Focus ST, baby. Fiesta ST. Good yeah. stuff. Raptor. 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 <laughs> Barely even know her. <laughs> Mulally's optimistic leadership style had become a necessary component of the day-to-day morale at Ford. In team leadership meetings, a smiling Mulally took questions from the others. Is our plan going to work? <laughs> <laughs> Asked an executive. <laughs> of course it is, replied Mulally. He reminded them that they were in this together. Nobody was alone, and nobody was going to suffer alone. The leadership left the meeting feeling lighter. Mulally didn't lie. He felt very confident that Ford could get through this. However, GM and Chrysler were still on the brink of extinction. If they went under, it'd bring down the entire automotive industry and maybe even the economy. Mulally's brilliant plan wouldn't matter. So Mulally and Bill Ford decided to meet with the man they felt was going to be the next president of the United States. He was a young senator from Illinois named Barack Obama. At the meeting with Senator Obama, Bill Ford and Mulally were blunt. They believed that Ford would most likely be okay, but General Motors and Chrysler were going to need a government bailout. Here was Mulally, the CEO of Ford, and its chairman, Bill Ford, lobbying the future president of the United States on behalf of their competitors. Senator Obama understood this truly must be serious. Yeah, I mean... That's kind of crazy that you would advocate for your competitors Mm -hmm. to get a bailout. Pretty gnarly. But I guess that makes sense as far as like creating more competition and livening up the car market. Once he secured his party's nomination, Obama began calling for a plan to lend $50 billion to GM and Chrysler. His opponent, John McCain, felt that it was too much and supported $25 billion. Congress knew they would have to do something, but wanted to hear from the CEOs first. So they held a hearing to make sure they could trust the companies to do the right thing. Mulally navigated through the angry protesters outside of the Capitol, only to be confronted with angry members of Congress inside the Capitol. Mulally used the qualities that had always worked for him, kindness, transparency, and compassion to tell the story of Ford. He told them everything, both the good and bad. It was a performance, but one that many found convincing. It was a bizarre scenario that illustrated how weird capitalism can get. If Ford was a sports team, it wanted to beat its competitors on the field, but not so badly that the entire league folded. Whether it was Mulally's speech or the facts on the ground, Congress approved an immediate $14 billion loan that was predictably rejected by the Senate. However, President Bush stepped in and approved a $17 billion loan effective immediately. Afterwards, Ford was flooded with letters from Americans thanking them for not accepting money and for pulling themselves out of the hole. While they weren't out of the hole just yet, they were going to be all right. Things were also a bit more complicated than they seemed. While Ford hadn't directly received a loan, they received a line of credit from the government worth billions. Essentially, a reassurance that if things got worse, Ford could be bailed out down the road. 
So it's impossible to know for sure, but Alan Mulally may have saved Ford, and Bill Ford may have saved Ford by choosing Mulally. As bad as 2008 was, one of the most important lessons is this. It could have been a lot, lot worse. It seems impossible to imagine, but a world without Ford seemed not totally out of the question in the late 2000s. As the auto industry heads into a time of potentially even greater disruption, they'd do well to keep the lessons of 2008 in mind. I think it's cool. I mean, I didn't know about this like secret loan, but I, you know, from a 22 year old's perspective in 2008, I was like, oh, I think it's pretty cool that Ford turned down this loan and, uh, you know, yeah, like advocated for their competitors. And then you're like, check out this sick kickflip, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was mostly concerned about kickflips at the time. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to world economics. I was making $7 an hour. Well, that is our episode this week. Uh, we got a letter. Andrew writes, hey there, big fan of the show. I'm wondering if you consider doing an episode on the 1968 Lotus turbine car. Might be interesting. Cheers. Uh, yeah, that, we'll definitely add that to our topic list. Thank you very much for writing in, Andrew. If you'd like to, yeah, thanks, Andrew. If you'd like to get in contact with us, <laughs> thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. If you'd like to get in contact with us, hit us up at pascas at donutmedia.com. Big thanks to our producer, Gavin Kinsel and Tommy Wallet and our writer, James Mastriani. And thank you, listener, for listening. If you'd like to follow the boys on all social media, go follow Joji Weber, go follow James Pumphrey, and go follow me, Nolan J. Sykes, and we'll hear you next... Hear you. We'll see you next week. Well, I think here makes more sense. And you'll hear us next week. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>